Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts, Spen and Nick, and not the best day to be talking Nets basketball. Uh, For starters, it's really cold and gross outside. It's been cold and gross all weekend, leading into Monday. Today is Martin Luther King Day, if you're listening. On the East Coast, on the East Coast specifically. I bet it's nice on the West Coast. Yeah, I'm sure we have a lot of listeners from California. Uh, if you're listening tomorrow, hope you had a great weekend. Tomorrow being Tuesday, if you're listening on Tuesday. But, um, yeah, shitty weather. And then on top of that, not so great basketball. So the Nets had the 3-30 uh, game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. The game was in Cleveland. Obviously, no Kevin Durant for this one. No Nick Claxton. LaMarcus Aldridge was back in action. You did have Kyrie Irving for this game. You did have James Harden. Still no um, Joe Harris. Still no Joe Harris. Wasn't enough. Wasn't enough to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. 114-107. The Nets uh, lost this game. And they lost it in a number of ways. I mean, the first quarter, they, they came out. They put up 31 points. And it seemed like Cleveland matched every single big basket. And you can tell from the start that, you know, the last time we played Cleveland, we they, we did not see Evan Mobley. Uh, I don't even think Jared Allen played the last game but it was still a close game and then in this one those two guys accounted for 26 points Darius Garland making a case for all-star uh status this year 22 points for him 12 assists some some big plays in that fourth quarter Nick that we'll get to uh so then the second quarter starts Cleveland essentially beat the crap out of us in that quarter 35 28 um the third quarter the Nets responded Kyrie had a big third quarter a few a few buckets for him we beat the Cavs 29 to 22. And then we'll, we'll get into it because this game just ended. But the fourth quarter, Cleveland beat us 27 19. The Nets did not make shots down the stretch. The defense was, was spotty to say the least. Um, what do you see there, Nick, in that fourth quarter that essentially lost us this game? Well, first of all, uh, I just want to pay respect to MLK Day. Uh, that's why we have the three day weekend. Well, let, let's, let's pay respect to Martin Luther King Jr. in general. And the day, sure, as a whole, yeah. Um, so this was honestly just a back and forth, high offensive scoring game through the first three. Uh, both teams, if you look at the stat line, shot around fifty percent. Cleveland fifty-two. We were just around forty-nine and a half. So just a, a, a good offensive efficiency game all around. Defense was kind of lacking on both sides. Really no stats jump out. Uh, everything's pretty even rebounding wise, 40 to 35 caps. We, we won an assists 27 to 26 and just around 15 turnovers each. Really all this game came down to was who was going to score down the stretch. Uh, everybody had waves throughout the entire game of going on runs, especially Garland, uh, especially Harden and Kyrie, obviously who finished 22 and 27 respectively. Aldridge, 13, Kessler and Patty Mills, 11 each and sharp 10. So a well-distributed game all around. Then you had guys for Cleveland who I've never heard of, like Dylan Windler and Brandon Goodwin dropping nine and seven, both hitting big shots down the stretch as well. So it was a really even game. I'll tell you why we lost, just missed opportunities with a couple minutes left. Aldridge missed two wide open layups, one rimmed out off the bank, and then he front rimmed on a two-footer. 
The guy's almost seven feet, and he, and he hit the front rim on a two-foot putback that would have cut it to one with a minute and a half left. They kept giving us the ball back. They kept missing. We kept getting it back with three, down three, down two. Then we're down three with under a minute left, and James Harden passes the ball backcourt out of the reach of Kyrie, ends up with a dunk on the other end for Cleveland, pushes the game out of uh, out of reach for us. So yeah. really this game was attainable every way throughout the fourth quarter. Harden was keeping us in it with some big shots. Irving was keeping us in it. Irving had a three, uh, what was it, 20, 28, 30 seconds left that just literally hit every single part of the rim and came out. So it's a tough loss. Cleveland's on a five-game win streak. They're now 27 and 18. We dropped to 27 and 16, so really only uh, a couple games ahead of them. But Cleveland's had a good season. At the end of the day, could have won this game, went the other way. But I'm not going to attribute to anything other than uh, not hitting some shots down in the clutch and just and the Cavs. Honestly, hustling after the ball more, finishing stronger, having more confidence in guys that you never even heard of having more confidence than some of our big names like Aldridge down the stretch. The play that killed me was you're down three, and I don't. We're, we're not going to sit here and pile on on Lamarcus Aldridge because at the end of the day, Aldridge is coming off a foot injury. He said that his right foot didn't feel back to normal, and he said that they'll keep an eye on it. But he thinks the more he plays, the better it'll feel, which is something you don't hear often. Like, hey, my foot hurts, but you know what? Let me just play on it, and it'll be it'll be fine in a few games. Um, when that does, Aldridge, that's not an excuse though. No, it's not. When Aldridge lost Mobley on that play with about a minute left. I watched that replay over and over again. He looks at him and then looks at the ball and Mobley walks behind Aldridge. Aldridge looks back at the three-point area where he thought Mobley was. Garland throws it to a wide-open Mobley. Mobley dunks it, puts the Cavs up five, essentially seals the game. Yeah, I got to um, give some credit uh, to J.B. Bickerstaff and the, the Cavs team. Kevin Love. Not, not specifically on that play, dude. I, no, I but they, they move off ball, every single one of them. They move they move really well. Kevin Love has some amazing passes. And this was without Rubio, who's arguably uh, uh, their best veteran leader and their best point guard and distributor. So Cavs have the longest win streak in the East right now. With that win, the, or with the win for the Cavs, loss for the Nats, we dropped to third in the East um, tied 27 and 16 with the Miami Heat, who are in second, one game behind the Chicago Bulls, who sit at number one at 27 and 14. And in our last 10, we're four and six. So it's it's funny. You're basically, you know, your thought process is the Cavs are a good team. They're they're a rising team in the East. They have a lot of talent. Um, they're a pretty complete team if you think about it. Even without Rubio, I mean, they have great point guard play, solid guard play. They have a dearth of big men with Markinen, Allen, Mobley, and Kevin Love, and then you have some good wings in Osman and, and Okoro. Um, but I want to focus on the Nets because this is a Nets podcast. We can give the Cavs all their flowers whenever we want. Um, not a great game for James Harden, okay? 22 and 10. He was 10 of 15 from the line, 5 of 12 from the field. He can be better. Uh, I'm looking at the plus minus. Harden was a minus 18 in this one. Kyrie, with his 27 points, he was a plus 14. So there's got to be some reason for the discrepancy there. Four turnovers for James Harden. Um, and and we'll get to some, some rumors and some things I saw after this, but it, it just bugs me because in a game like this, close game down the stretch, you should be, even without Kevin Durant, you should be able to rely on Kyrie Irving and James Harden to make the, the necessary plays to win this game. Because at the end of the day, I, I do think both those players are better than Darius Garland. I truly feel that way. So that, that's that's the first thing I want to say. 
And, you know, the thing that bothers me is you were talking about the, the Harden turnover where he passed it uh, to Kyrie and it went out of bounds, correct? Uh, no, it went backcourt and the Cavs went- picked it up and dunked it. Okay. To seal that, the game. That shit is, is a lack of continuity between players. It just is. These guys have not shared the court a ton this year. This is what, Kyrie's fourth game back? I, I hate to say it, but we're, we're going to get into this later in the podcast. The lack of continuity that hasn't really been there with the big three, you can see it in games like this. You I can mean, see dude, the Kyrie fact just that came back. How I can understand. You ex- how can you yeah, expect but- him and Kyrie to just mold together? I don't think that's a great point. What happened when, when they beat the Chicago Bulls in Chicago? Yeah, they had a great – okay, they had one great game. My point is because Kevin Durant isn't playing, it is hard for James Harden and Kyrie Irving to go out there and do the same things every night. So are you blaming the Kevin together. Durant injury? I'm Nick, the big three have not played games together. I understand this is, that. This is my point. So the lack of continuity hurts in games like this. It does. Yes, but it sounds like you're saying like it's surprising that there's a lack of continuity. It's not surprising. Expecting. It's it's frustrating. I agree. I agree. And you should also, in two superstars, be able to beat a good Cavs team, but they're still the fifth or sixth seed, right? Also, the Cavs. Um, yeah, the Cavs they were the sixth seed when this game started. I think they're fourth now. I think they're one behind us. Okay. Okay, but, I mean, yes, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, Cavs are in fourth. So, yeah, Bulls, Heat, Nets, Cavs, Bucks. So, I as I, I do agree with that, but I also think that's just a lack of strategy with a couple minutes left in the game. Why isn't Nash drawing up a play when we're down three for our best three-point shooter this season, Patty Mills? Why are we just putting the ball in Harden and Kyrie's hands and saying take turns going to work? Now, I understand they're the two best players on the floor for both teams, but after a couple plays of them missing a jump shot, making the wrong pass, you're down three with a minute left, call timeout, draw up a play for Patty Mills because Harden and Irving are going to draw a double. They might even both draw a double. Patty Mills will get a good look. He is our most consistent shooter on the team statistically this year. So my question is not only, yes, I understand there's a lack of continuity. If that's the case, if that chemistry isn't right yet, why aren't we drawing up something for somebody else instead of just giving the ball to one of our stars and saying, do what you got to do, especially down the stretch when they're going to get way too much attention. So you would blame Steve Nash uh, a little bit for this loss is what you're saying. I'll blame everybody. You can't just point a finger at one person in a loss. I'll, I'll blame Harden for a stupid pass at the end. I'll blame Aldridge for a couple of missed dinkers. I'll blame the entire team for just bad communication on defense. The Cavs down the stretch had easy shots. I mean, Okoro at one point just took a step. And it was nice. It was a nice year step in between Aldridge and Kyrie. I think Harden was down there too. And like all three of them got faked out by the same move. And then he had a wide open layup. I'll give Okoro some credit. He looked good. He's an athletic player, but listen, it was, it was a combination of things, but I will pin some on Nash for not thinking outside the box, especially in a game like this against the Cleveland Cavaliers team. That's clearly going to put all their attention on Harden and Irving. Yeah. It's not just this loss that frustrates me. You know, we've basically gone loss, win, loss, win. I think loss, win or, or loss in our last like five or six games. We're going back and forth, back and forth. We've already dropped to third in the East. Now the East is sort of anyone's to take over. Really, I mean, Chicago's about to lose this game to Memphis, so they're going to fall, you know, another game back. But Damn, Milwaukee, Memphis can't lose. Milwaukee's right there to just take this this conference, you know. And they were being slept on a few weeks ago that they didn't have enough, and all of a sudden they're healthy and they look great. So it it is frustrating. I'm not shocked that the Nets lost this game, but I am annoyed. You know, this is, a, this is a game that you're coming off of after a dominating win against the Pelicans, which we will get to. And 
you know, Cleveland's a team that, let's face it, Nick, the Nets have a lot of ties to. Our former franchise center starts for the Cleveland Cavaliers and Jared Allen. Kyrie Irvin, one of the better players on our team, won a championship in Cleveland. A lot of booze for Kyrie today, um, which was surprising. You know, there's just been a lot of history between between us and the Cavs, and I'd like to think that, in a way, we're sort of big brother to them because we are a more experienced team. We are a a better team. I wouldn't say we're deeper than the Cavs right now, but I do think talent-wise, we're better. We're we're more top-heavy than them. Absolutely. Um, It's frustrating to lose a game like this, okay? I'm tired of, you know, Darius Garland, great player. Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, great young big men. This Cavs team, fun to watch. I don't care. I don't care. I want wins. I want the Nets to handle their business against teams that are under them and and not as good as them. So I'm frustrated. This is annoying. And then the other thing I saw literally as, as I'm watching the game is, oh, and I'm sorry. The last thing I'll say, thank God Steve Nash has given Dayron Sharp and Kessler Edwards minutes, or, or at least an opportunity. Those two guys have started the last few games and they've been good. I mean, Kessler Edwards, four of eight from the field, 11 points. He was three of six on three point range. Uh, most of those came in the first half. He was pretty quiet in the second, but he's proven that he can he can really contribute to a to a team with James Harden and Kyrie Irving. He can hit the open shots. He he moves well without the ball. I sort of look at Kessler Edwards and think of like a Channing Fry, but a lot more mobile and athletic. Like that's the kind I think of, of like I think a Cor- I think of like a Corey Brewer, but okay. a little, but a little, a little more taller. a little more skilled. Um, I like Kessler Edwards. I will say I saw Dayron Sharp play, so I was at the game that we'll get to in a couple of games. Yeah. I was at the uh, game that we lost against. But Sharp looked great against the Thunder. Against the Thunder. Sharp looked okay in the last two games. Uh, I mean, we'll get to the Pelicans game where he had a double-double, but he just looks a step slow, especially today, against a really young athletic Cavs team. Sure. He's like, for a big man, he, his footwork isn't great. You saw him get drawn for uh, uh, called for a travel where he shuffled his feet. A couple plays, he was out of position. Listen, I'll cut him some slack. He's a rookie. He's doing well. He's putting up some numbers for a team that – desperately needs numbers from a big man there are times where he looks a little lost um overall he had, he had one really nice block today where he stuffed marking and then out of bounds but yeah i need more from sharp i'm happy with edwards i like david duke cam Thomas is an offensive cam thomas is an offensive threat but i don't want to get too excited about daron sharp he has a lot uh, of uh headway to make the thing i love about sharp is his motor and his strength so he, he's got he doesn't have the athleticism that claxton has but his motor is high, which means he'll bang with dudes on the glass. He'll absolutely, for those 50-50 balls in the air, he'll fight with guys bigger than him. That's what I like about Sharp. I don't think that Claxton and Aldridge have that dog mentality, let me tip the ball off the backboard back to myself. Let me fight for these balls. Sharp has that. That that same rebounding mentality that Ed Davis had a few years. If, if Nets fans remember Ed Davis during his tenure here, um, I thought he was a really good backup center. Sharp possesses some of those those rebounding qualities. So um, really, really like what, what Sharp and Edwards have given the Nets. Uh, quiet game for, for Cam Thomas. He had six points. Uh, David Duke Jr. did not play tonight. Um, and... Sharp had 10 and six Kessler Edwards had 11. So uh, Patty Mills, 11 points. He could have done a little bit more, but the thing I wanted to get to Nick is during the game, the Legion hoops uh, Legion hoops, the Twitter account, they tweeted at 4 23 PM developing James Harden is open to relocating fooling trade humors heading into the trade deadline. The 76 have shown interest. So this is what I mean by I'm frustrated. You haven't been able to watch the big three play virtually at all in the last two seasons. I think they're, they've played 16 games together. I think they're 13 and three. Um, all of a sudden I get this update while I'm watching a Nets loss 
that James Harden is open to relocating. I don't know if this is a bullshit report. I don't know if there's any merit to this, but what are your first thoughts when you hear that Harden would be open to a change of scenery, if it's true? I think it's really bad timing. I'm not sure why he's saying that right now on the midst uh, of a championship run. If Durant, once Durant gets healthy and we'll get to his injury, I believe in six to eight weeks. Uh, uh, but it's just a stupid thing to say right now. Um, it's just lowering. Well, well, he's not saying it. That's a report. I don't know where the source is from. People seem to respect Legion Hoops. They're a legitimate account. They have five. I see it on, I see it on Bleacher Report too. Yeah, so it's it's out there. I mean, he hasn't said anything, but what bothers me is is this isn't, you know, the Nets team that fans expect to see in the playoffs. We do expect to get Kevin Durant back at full strength in four to six weeks, which was the initial report. So why now? Well, listen, listen. Sudden, yeah, yeah. The extension of the quote is he was open to it, but he says, and I quote, I, this is according to Bleacher Report, I don't plan on leaving this organization and the situation that we have. So my focus, honestly, is just focus on the season and then winning the championship. The contract and all that stuff will bear itself out, but my focus is going to be locked into this season. So Wait, he said that recently or he said that at the beginning of the season? Uh, let's see what this article what is. What is that quote from? Did you just find an article from like July? It would, da, 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 da. I'll look. Um, no, I don't think so. I think it's pretty new. It's pretty new? So... Listen, he shouldn't have ever said anything, I agree, or he shouldn't have even uh, um, refer to it. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's something that you should get worked up about, distracted about. He's going to be locked in. He puts his heart into every game. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves and think there's something there. I'm more worried about the Joe Harris uh, trade rumors to Cleveland, who we just played, of all people. That, to you and me, should be more of a concern than Harden, because before the trade deadline, Joe Harris gets moved. That's terrifying, dude. Yeah, I mean, I'm someone. <laughs> you're okay with Joe Harris leaving? Uh, wait, is that that's out there that Joe Harris might leave? Is that what you just said? I'm sorry, I think you're talking about Joe Harris's injury stuff. No, I will pay attention when I talk. One, sorry, Steve, I'm on Twitter. Steve Nash said he's uh, Harris is traveling with the team, but there's no timetable on his return. Okay. Cleveland.com, according to Bleach Report, Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com reported the Cavs' interest in Joe Harris Friday. If the Nets make Joe Harris available, and I'm not saying that they're going to, but if they do, the Cavs would be very interested. So if you get the right return back, yeah, I'd be fine with that. So what would that be? What would that look like? I don't know what that would look like. Maybe Kevin Love, some picks, uh, a Kuro maybe. You can get like those two guys. I don't know what the money situation looks like in that regard. I don't value Joe Harris as much as other people value him. I, I, I don't think he's as essential – to our team as people make it out to be. I think that if we were to enter a playoff series right now and Joe Harris is healthy and we have our team at full strength, I don't think he plays more than half the game. I don't think he plays in the fourth quarter. I understand he's one of the better knockdown three-point shooters in the league. I understand he helps space the floor out. Defensively, he's a liability. Offensively, he's pretty limited to to just sort of hitting three-pointers and occasionally he'll be able to hit the mid-range and, and make an okay play on offense. But that doesn't have me worried. What has me worried is Kevin Durant's injury. What has me worried is Kyrie Irving's part-time status and James Harden potentially being traded. And guess what, Nick? The one team that is extremely interested in James Harden are the 76ers. And they have a chance if they were to get James Harden with Joel Embiid, who is playing like not like an MVP. Embiid has been, outside of Giannis and, and Durant, the best player in the East. 
He has been. He's been unstoppable this year. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm more worried that James Harden is open to relocating. And and um, who's the guy out there in Philly? Daryl Morey is his old buddy, and they're just lurking. The Sixers are just lurking. You know, they haven't been playing the Ben Simmons situation as as, as well as possible. Because I would take Ben Simmons. The Nets aren't going to do that. See, that's the thing. I, I still trust Sean Marks. It's not give like me like give me like Marks Ben Simmons and, and Seth Curry for Harden. Well, no, but 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 everyone in Philly hates Tobias Harris right now, and they hate Ben Simmons. So those are the guys that Maury's trying to get rid of, and and I don't think Marks would bite on that trade. I don't think I don't think Marks is going to trade James Harden to a contender like Philly. But the this, the possibility does worry me. The fact that the Nets are struggling, the fact that Harden, I you know based on previous years and, 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 and different situations. I don't know if he decides, Hey, you know, I'm willing to sort of stick out and not great situation in Brooklyn. If he feels it's not great here, because I don't know if that's the case yet. He's still playing with Kyrie. He still has a pretty, pretty solid team, but if you're not going to be able to play with Kevin Durant for, for a minute, I don't know. It's, there's a lot going on with the Brooklyn Nets. And I think that Joe Harris is the least of our concerns. That's a fair point. Let's see how it plays out. I don't want it to be one report of Harden and then we're getting too worked up. Harden's always been uh, kind of a loose cannon and always open to anything, whether that's more money, whether that's a new superstar no, trio. But I, I will give Harden credit for years in Houston, no matter what they put around him, he was loyal. He stuck it out yeah. and he, they always improved the roster, whether it was getting Chris Paul, whether it was getting Russell Westbrook, whether it was, whether it was trying Dwight Howard here, whether it was making Clint Capella into a real player um, they had PJ Tucker for a few years, like the, the Rockets. And that's the other thing that bothers me, Nick. I feel like the James Harden on the Rockets never lost games like these. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember him losing to teams that were not like, yeah, he would lose to the Warriors. He'd lose to, to LeBron. He'd lose to whoever. I don't know, man. In those last couple of years when they were only going small lineups with three-point shooters, Capella was gone. They didn't really have anybody uh, in the front court. And it was just them taking turns hucking threes. I think you're getting ahead of yourself, honestly. I think you're okay. assuming this is more of a red flag than it is. Um, and I think we take it day by day. But right now, my concern is getting Durant and Joe Harris back on the floor as quickly as possible uh, so we can have you know our full-strength team. And I disagree that Joe isn't going to be a factor. Patty Mills has stepped up significantly. With that said, in an ideal situation, Joe Harris is getting more minutes than Mills. He's more of a reliable scorer than Mills throughout his career. So let's see if that comes to fruition. If Harris comes back, he shoots sub 40 from three, Mills is going to take the time. But why are we assuming that's the case? We love Joe Harris. He's the best three-point shooter in the league a couple of years ago. And let's give him credit where it's due. And we'll give him, you know, we'll say optimistic. I know his playoff runs haven't been great, but I don't think it's it's safe to say he's going to hit the bench when he comes back. And I don't no, think it's no, safe to no. say I said less than 50%. I didn't say hit the bench. So Let's take it day by day, but let's keep going. We got a, we got other games to get to. A few what? A few Kyrie Irving quotes that uh, just came across my desk. You ready? Yeah. Kyrie Irving says, um, in regards to KD getting hurt, for me personally, it's a big hit. You feel it energetically. We just got to get back in the swing. And now one of – oh, I'm sorry. We just got back in the swing, and now one of our guys is out. He goes on to say, you can't replace Kevin. It's impossible. It's a big blow. So Kyrie talking about his teammate. Uh, the other thing he said, they asked him whether Nets injuries will dictate his stance on COVID-19 or getting the vaccine. Kyrie said, I'm not bringing science into the game of basketball. So I'll let you respond to that one real quick. Wait, what do you think of that? 
Honestly, I watched him against the Caps today, and I thought whatever he does off the court, I don't care at this point as long as he keeps scoring on the court. So twenty-seven I'm, points today on uh, he looked good, man. He looked pretty, good, man. pretty damn I, good. Twelve of twenty-three from the field, nine assists. He had a good I day. Turned, I turned to my buddy and just said, "You know, I'm glad he's on the floor." So I'm done criticizing. Uh, if he, you know, I think he's done being criticized, and let's just play basketball. All right, and then finally, last Kyrie quote. On the Nets, big three finally getting on the court together. Our time is coming. It may not be now, but I definitely feel like some of these things are happening for a reason. See, that is sort of where I hold out hope too. Like, eventually, you'll get the big three on the court, and hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever superstition you want to abide by, hopefully, they are able to be healthy in the playoffs. Now, the thing that's troubling, Nick, is this season feels a lot like last season. It really does. We had the big three post uh, January last year, right? They made the Harden trade in December or January or whatever. So we had James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant from January till May. But we had the KD injury. We had the Kyrie Irving absent stuff. And then you had the Harden hamstring thing. And unfortunately, that is the way this season is looking. So I need you to sort of tell me that what Kyrie's saying basically – you know, it's going to happen. These things are happening now, but by the time we, we are healthy, everything will be copacetic. Do you think that that's something that, you know, Nets fans can believe in? Absolutely. I do. Listen, KD's injury is awful timing. It's so unfortunate. You're right. It kind of just piles onto last year with all this mishaps, all this bad timing, all these unfortunate accidents that on a lot of other teams just don't happen uh, health-wise. Obviously, Clay Thompson, one of the worst situations that Warriors team's taken a couple of years to recover. So, so glad he's back. But some of our competitors uh, uh, haven't have had been much luckier. The Bucks, part of the reason the Bucks were able to go all the way to the end is because they stayed healthy, besides obviously DiVincenzo, uh, right. and they had their superstars healthy. So, listen, I'm optimistic that once KD's back, uh, Kyrie gets a little more warmed up. Our continuity, like you said, our chemistry keeps improving over the next few months. Listen, all we got to do is linger around that like three to five playoff spot. And I like our odds right now. If we, if, if this locked in, we play the Cavs first round, they're a game behind us. And I'm fully okay with that in a, in a, a four game series, just, you know, seven game series. We win probably four, one, four, two, if the Cavs play out of their mind, uh, as long as we got our, our, our guys healthy and our superstars playing. So Obviously, those are big caveats, but no, I'm, I'm optimistic, dude. We're, we lost a close game today to a solid team. I know in the past it would have been like, shit, the Cavs beat us. The Cavs are solid this year, dude. They're 27 and 18. We're only 27 and 60. So let's take it with a grain of salt. Let's get better, and let's still be optimistic for the future. All right, Nick. That is a great segue. We're going to go all the way back to Wednesday. You know how we do it. We talk about the latest game, which was the Cavs game. We're going to go all the way back to the last game we didn't discuss on last week's podcast, and that was the Wednesday night game against the Chicago Bulls. Um, the Nets were coming off a brutal loss to the Trailblazers on Monday night. They had two days of rest, and then they played the Bulls on Wednesday night, and they beat the Bulls, 138-112. to uh, The Bulls came into this game looking to make a statement, and the statement was made by the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant was phenomenal in this one, 27 points in 30 minutes. He had nine assists to pair with that. Um, James Harden, 25 points, 16 assists for Harden. When Harden plays like that, the Nets, and, 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 and obviously you get around 30 from KD, the Nets are virtually unstoppable. You add in 21 points from Patty Mills, who had, um, Patty Mills had six three-pointers in that game. And then you add 20 points from the rookie Dayron Sharp, easily his best game as a pro, 10 of 14 from the field, seven rebounds for Dayron. 
And and the Nets ran away with this thing. I mean, you know, this was a close game for the most part. The third quarter was really where the Nets pulled away 39 to 19 in that third quarter. Um, and then the fourth quarter, essentially, the, the Nets put up another 37, so the game was over. Uh, great job defensively by Kessler Edwards. He only had nine points in this game, but he was a tenacious defender when it came to having to guard DeRozan, Levine. He made life relatively hard for, for DeRozan, who finished with uh, a 19 points on 7 to 16 from the field. Um, very good game for the Nets. Dayron Sharp had a great game defensively. He had to play Vucevic for most of the night. Vucevic only scored 14 for the Bulls. The Nets shot the ball, Nick, 56% from the field, 53% from three, and they only got nine points from Kyrie Irving. That was all they needed. The other three guys scored 20-plus, and no other net was in double figure, but every single net that played got at least two points. So this was just, you know, you know, for all the Nets fans feeling crappy about the Kevin Durant injury, this is what the Nets look like when the big three are out on the court together. This is the best game of the season. You were texting me during this, like, this is this is the greatest game we've put together. This is all three superstars playing fantastically. We put 138 up on the number one team in the East. Some people would argue one of the best teams in the league, a top three team in the league. Obviously, the West is looking a little more competitive and has a lot more 31 teams than we do, but... uh uh, the Bulls are nice, man, with DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic. So this was the best game of the season, and I'll read you some stats that stand out to me. You said the 56 from the field beating the Bulls 46. You said the 53% from three, which is insane compared to a 36% from the Bulls. But what I love is out-rebounding them 41 to 35, out-assisting them 35 to 22. That's plus 13 in assists. Out-stealing them by six, 11 to five. And then this is huge because I talk about turnovers every week. We average 14 to 15 turnovers a game. Less than 10. Less than 10 turnovers. We have finished with nine turnovers in this game to the Bulls 17. So this, to me, I don't want to say it, but is a perfect game for the Nets. Obviously, there's always things we can improve on. But beating the number one team in our conference by, what, 26 points, 138 to 112. With that, it's not even like they were missing anybody, really. They, they had everybody they played with. Just, uh, Dasone Moo, who's a great guy off the bench, didn't do well for them. McKinney, who gets good minutes. Kobe White, uh, uh, 16. Lonzo Ball. Not too bad. I mean, these numbers from these guys are average. We just outplayed everybody on their team. And, and we had probably the most efficient game we had of the season and the most exciting game we had of the season just to watch us crush the, the team that's kind of keeping us back from first place right now. No LaMarcus Aldridge, no Nick Claxton, no Joe Harris uh, again in that game. Um, and, and that was a huge win for the Nets because there was a narrative that the Nets couldn't beat the elite teams. I think they were like 0-8 against the top four teams in each, each conference or something along those lines. But good on the Nets to sort of disprove that narrative, at least for a night, that, hey, when the big three are together and they're playing healthy and, and we have – you know, the thing I love about Sharp, he's a competent enough big man that he's able to make an impact playing with James Harden and, and, and uh, Kevin Durant. Kessler Edwards is a competent enough wingman to make the right plays where he could stand out and make a few defensive plays. Um, and then that, that – you know, you know, the most – impressive signature play from that game right before i even bring it up that bulls game no tell me it was the double dot it was uh i think it was deandre bembry or patty mills one of those guys hit the floor got it passed it up then blake griffin hit the floor he passed it up and then it was a it was a dunk by kessler edwards at the end but that's the kind of 
energy that you love to see the Nets play with. And, and when the big three are on the court, more times than not, you get that energy. But that was an awesome I, – I forgot who was part of the double dive. I know Blake Griffin because Blake Griffin's the diving master. It was either – it was either Bembry or, or I think it was Mills maybe was the other diver, but uh, just, just an awesome, awesome play. Should we get to this, uh, this Thunder game? Yeah, let's get to the Thunder game. You were, you were at this game. This was on Thursday night, I believe. The I Nets, can tell you, I can tell you everything you need to know about this game. They lost this game, by the way, in case you were wondering, what was the score? 130 to 109 Thunder. Uh, I'll tell you everything you know about this game. Obviously no KD. No right. Irving because it was a home game. KD was on a rest night. He wasn't hurt yet. We'll get to that. KD was on rest. So our lineup to start was Kessler Edwards, Bembry, Dayron Sharp, James Harden, uh, and I think Bruce Brown uh, was that was that fifth guy. Not a ton of shooting in that starting lineup. Nick. Not a ton of shooting. Dayron Sharp being our only big man. But let me tell you something. This game was all about, and I hate to say it, the combination of Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Lou Dort of OKC. I had never really seen uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander's game. SGA, he is nice, dude. Now, he scored 16 straight points in the first quarter at one point. No, And they switched on him like three different times. It was Harden on him at one point. It was Duke on him at one point. It was uh, Bruce Brown on him at one point. He breezed by everybody. So this game was a combination of a weak, shallow Nets team shooting, what, 40% from the field, I believe, 20% from three. The Thunder shooting 50% from the field, 45% from three. But... SGA 33 points, 10 and 9, almost triple double. Lou Dort could not miss. 27 points. I've never seen Lou Dort shoot threes that were so knocked down. Josh Giddy, was he 19 years old from Australia? 19 points. And Mike Muscala, the vet from Bucknell, four for four from three for this Thunder team. So I'm not making excuses. We got outplayed. We got outshot. We got outstarred by SGA and Lou Dort. We were missing some of our best players. We went very small and very young throughout this entire game. I was actually disappointed. Dayron Sharp only had 20 minutes. I thought he should have played a lot more given um, the rebounds uh, and the second chance opportunities he was putting when he was on the court. So overall, ugly game. I thought Bruce Brown too, and I called you after this game. Why is Javon Carter getting minutes over Bruce Brown? Javon uh, Carter and Bruce Brown basically split. Bruce 27, Javon 25. But if you yeah. just look at their style of play, Javon is – I said to you, Javon Carter must be knocking down trays like butter in practice because yeah. Nash gives him a green light to unleash. Every See, time I, he's I, I think it's different. I think he has some sort of blackmail on Steve Nash. And if he doesn't at least get up like three to four shots a game, no matter what, he's going to release that blackmail to the public. Obviously, I'm joking, but there's absolutely no reason why Javon Carter should see the court during any competitive game. I don't care how many players were down. The man has terrible basketball IQ. He has no, he has such a bad touch. He gets in there and you know, he's going to make one or two because he's going to put up 10 and he's going to shoot 20% from the field because that's what he does. He's an awful, awful basketball player. I don't understand why he gets minutes. Cam Thomas had 21 points in this game. He he's, he, you know, he's been able to sort of showcase his skills when the nets are down guys, which is why I thought he'd get a little bit more action and, and be a little bit more productive against the Cavs today. He wasn't, um, but the one thing I want to say about this game, Nick, James Harden, 26 points, nine assists. He was seven of 22 from the field, three of 11 from three. Maybe my expectations for James Harden are ridiculous, but I remember, and I bring up this game, you know, on numerous podcasts that we do, because I think it's important. Last year, James Harden against the Phoenix Suns had a game where the second best player on the court was Tyler Johnson. 
And they had no business beating a Suns team that would eventually go to the finals. And James Harden said, I'm going to put the team on my back and win this game. And he did. And I haven't seen that James Harden yet. Yeah, I know we saw him perform well against the Bulls. He was electric in those wins against the Clippers and the Lakers when the Nets were on the road. You know, he, he was he was awesome in those games. For some reason, that was that was probably outside of Chicago. The best I've seen Harden all year was, was in those games in the Staples Center, wherever the, the Clippers and the Lakers play. I think it's still the Staples Center. But no, it's not. It's crypto.com. Crypto.com, yeah. But I, I just, you know, these are the games where I think that Harden is just going to have like a 40-burger, and he doesn't. And it drives me nuts because I don't know if we're ever going to see that James Harden again. And I hate to be this critical. Dude, they were like double and tripling him because they had no one else in the Nets team who I, could score. I get it. I, I get it. I get it. You're right. But yeah, Cam Thomas, James Harden with 26, Thomas 21. Um, David Duke Jr. had 13. I think a lot of that came in garbage time. And then Bruce Brown with 10. Those are the only Nets players in double figures. Uh, on the defensive side, the Thunder scored 30 plus in every single quarter. You can't you can't have that if you're the Nets. You just you just can't have that. Um, the Nets made it sort of a little bit closer in that third quarter. They put up 32 to, to the Thunder's 30, but you know they 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 couldn't get any closer in the fourth. Um, we can move on. Not much to say about this game. I think you you hit all the all the talking points on the Thunder. But the last uh, thing I want to say is uh, yeah, we were down 20 the 20 plus uh, in the first half. Came back and cut it to eight. Uh, I want to say about halfway through the fourth quarter, maybe with about six or seven minutes left. Thunder called a timeout, put SGA back in, put Giddy back in, whoever it was, and then just just we're hitting all their shots. It, you know, we kept trying to fight back. Obviously, we weren't shooting well. We did have a shot at this game, uh, carried you know, carry by Harden. Edwards hit some big shots. So it was tough um, to watch this because the whole time you knew we, we just needed to shoot better and we can creep back in. Obviously, that sounds silly and, and cliche. It's basketball. Of course, you just shoot better put the ball in the hoop more, but this was just the thunder having one of the best shooting games of, of probably their season compared to us who was just on the lower end, missing a lot of our guys. So I hate to be the guy who has excuses after a loss. Like we should have won, obviously we're a more talented team, but this game, the Cavs game, I'm seeing a lot of guys step up from these young teams. Um, and like you're saying, why isn't Harden doing that? It's because we don't need Harden to do that sometimes. We need guys like Kessler Edwards. We need guys like David Duke, Cam Thomas to hit those big shots as well. I think Kessler Edwards had a chance in this game to cut it to five and airball to three. Listen, it's a big shot. I'm not expecting him to make it right now. But down the line, these are the guys that these other teams have that we're going to need to hit big shots. You want to get into this Pelicans game? I mean, this was a win on Saturday, 120-105. This is the game that, that Kevin Durant got hurt in. Uh, we'll start with that injury. I, I mean, when it happened, basically it was a drive by Herb Jones. He was he went into Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown took a few steps back, sort of into Kevin Durant. I saw Bruce Brown's arm hit Kevin Durant's knee. That essentially uh, forced Kevin Durant. He tested out his knee, couldn't play anymore. Left left the, the uh, left the court, went straight to the locker room. Turned out he sprained his MCL and he will be out four to six weeks. Uh, but Steve Nash, even in the pregame press conference before the Cavs game, said he really doesn't have a legitimate timetable on Kevin Durant yet. So that was the the takeaway from this game. I mean, outside of that, the Nets played phenomenally. Um, 32 and 37 in the first two quarters, respectively. The Pelicans beat us in the final two quarters, but, but it wasn't enough. Um, you know, the Nets had a lot of guys in double figures. Patty Mills had uh, 21 in this game. Cam Thomas with 20. Cam Thomas actually had a really good um, – sort of first three quarters where, where he was hitting some big shots. James Harden, 27 points, 15 assists in this one. Dayron shot sharp, 
12 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, Durant had 12 before he exited. He was on his way to, to probably a 30-plus point night. And then Kessler Edwards added 16 points and six rebounds. So everything was clicking for the Nets outside of that, that KD injury. Um, the Pelicans, one of the worst teams in the league. They're sitting at 16 and 27. Brandon Ingram was the high man for them with 28 points and eight, 22 points and eight assists. But um, yeah, this was, this was a good, I, I guess, comeback win for the Nets after they had lost to the Thunder. They came back strong in this one. They were never, never really down in this one. This was, this one was a wire to wire victory for Brooklyn, but um, you know, good, good win. But obviously the main takeaway is, is the KD injury. Yeah, this just seemed pretty comfortable the entire game. I was never really worried. Um, you covered it all. The biggest thing is the Durant. I think everyone was terrified. I Blessing in disguise that it wasn't as bad. It wasn't an ACL, but it's rough, obviously, considering Kyrie just started playing. We just saw the potential against the Bulls. We don't need to dwell on it. Um, whoa, according to Woj yesterday, four to six week rehab. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully it's it's – only four to six. I know Joe Harris was supposed to be what six to eight. It's already been past eight, I think. And there's no timetable for Joe Harris. So you like to think these uh, estimations for a turn are accurate, but obviously he needs to feel healthy and get back to the way he was uh, to be, to sit back on the court. So wishing KD a speedy recovery for his sake, for Nets fan base sake. And uh, we'll see what happens, but good win against the Pelicans. He went out what mid second and we still dominated. So that's a good sign. So something I want to say um, real quick, and and we're going to pretty much end the pod in, in a little bit, but Kyrie Irving, I don't think I mentioned this quote. They asked him whether or not Kevin Durant's injury will impact him getting the vaccine. Did, did I did I read this quote before? Did it change his stance? I don't believe you said it. I think I might have, but basically he said that he's made his decision and he's staying pat. And – you know, and he's standing on, he's standing by his decision. And this comes a few days after the Bulls, uh, that Bulls win, where after the, the press conference, James Harden made a joke. He said, man, I'm going to give Kyrie Irving the vaccine. I'm going to give him the shot. So with the Kevin Durant injury, and, and now you have this sort of weird narrative where I think a lot of people keep thinking that Kyrie's going to change his mind and he's going to do what he, he can to help this team out. Kyrie pretty much laid that to rest today. He said, put that to bed. He said, I'm not. I'm not going to get the vaccine. I made my decision. And with Harden saying his thing a few days ago, do you think that that maybe that is something that Harden that is weighing on Harden's mind when he talks about potentially relocating and 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 playing for a team that isn't the Brooklyn Nets? I don't think so. I think Harden's in his own world. I think he's just a different guy who's chasing a championship. I don't think he's taking a lot of these factors into consideration. I mean, obviously it'll have an effect if some of these guys aren't playing, if some of these guys are too injured, if they're not coming back. But I don't know. I don't want to believe there's some sort of conspiracy that this Nets organization is a, a, a lot – it's a lot more tense. There's a lot of – you know, there might be some backstepping well, it, it, going it on. Is, so. It is tense because the postgame press conferences have been pretty tense with with losses where they ask Kyrie about it. Because you know they're going to grill him. You know they're going to be like, hey, Kyrie, you're going to get the vaccine now that you guys are struggling? That, that you don't but have KD and Harden have been nothing but supportive. of. They were so excited to have him back. Kevin Durant, yes, from a basketball perspective. Kevin yeah. Durant has spoken about how he is respectful of Kyrie's decision and how he's not going to make him do anything or he's not going to try to persuade him one way or the other. Harden hasn't said those same, same things. The relationship between Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving is different 
than the relationship with James Harden and Kyrie Irving. It just is. So you might not be concerned about it. I am a little bit. I am a little concerned about it. Nets fans, we like to think that just because we have three of the top 10 players in the world, we're in this sort of safe place that, yeah, we're going to get to the playoffs. We're going to be a, a one to three seed. We're going to we're going to be all right. But these things can can rattle a team. These things can sort of change the way uh, a team finishes out the season. And the fact that we all think at one point Kyrie Irving will play home games at Barclays, and he is basically adamant in saying the one avenue that I have to doing that, um, I haven't even considered. So it is a little troubling for me. Understood. You make some valid points. Uh, there's just so many things up in the air. Obviously, obviously, uh, Nets Twitter, SB Nation, Bleacher Report, there's just so much shit every day that pops up. You don't know what to believe. So I think only time will tell. Um, I think that Bulls game was a great sign. Obviously, it's been a little downhill since then, but we've kind of seen the mountaintop, and I'd like to assume that we'll get there again. Um, so I kind of push everything into my little closet, and I don't want to worry about it for now. All right, and there you have it. This was another episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick brought to you by Empire Sports Media, episode 94. If any of you guys were watching this and wondering what the beer I was drinking was today, it was a Coors Light Silver Bullet. I only drink them when the mountains are blue. Shout out to Coors Light. They are not an official sponsor. If you're wondering what Nick was holding up earlier, he was holding up a slate chocolate milk uh, container that he keeps his it's like a travel it's like a travel thing travel mug that he keeps his slate chocolate milk in slate also not an official sponsor but if you guys are interested in learning more about slate nick actually works for slate milk and he would be more than happy to share information with you guys about the closest stores that you can get slate milk it's a lactose free chocolate milk and by god nick it's delicious well we like to call it a high protein chocolate milk lactose free is just a secondary uh good part of the chocolate milk uh secondary attribute but it's 20 grams of protein zero grams of added sugar it's delicious there's a there's a caffeinated flavor as well uh it's in every whole foods in the northeast and uh, north atlantic it is in um Shoprite. it is in king's balducci's uh you know in most of your primary retailers so i check it out Great. Sounds good. Any final words for our listeners before we end the show? Go Rams. Go Rams. All right. And by the way, if you're listening to this Tuesday, that game has already happened. And the Rams so, won. And the Rams either won or lost. I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a guess. This is gonna be right. Rams 31-27. I'm actually gonna pick against you. I think the Cardinals take it. You're stupid. And we're not doing a song anymore. We're just going to go back to the original, catch you on the fire side, because I think that's the way that you got to do it. The song was a good idea, but Nick, let's end it. One, two, three. Catch you, you on, on the, the fire, fire side. side. It's really hard to do it together when we're, you're, there's definitely a delay. There's definitely a, okay. all right, see ya.